chapter twenty six of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty six home again to charlie the summer had been an exceedingly short one time had flown so pleasantly away everything that could be done to make the place agreeable mrs bird had effected amongst the number of her acquaintances who had conceived a regard for her young protege was a promising artist to whom she had been a friend and patroness charlie paid him frequent visits and would sit hour after hour in his studio watching the progress of his work having nothing else at the time to amuse him he one day asked the artist's permission to try his hand at a sketch being supplied with the necessary materials he commenced a copy of a small drawing and was working assiduously when the artist came and looked over his shoulder did you ever draw before he asked with a start of surprise never replied charlie except on my slate at school i sometimes used to sketch the boys faces and you never received any instructions never not even a hint was the answer and this is the first time you've attempted a sketch upon paper yes the very first then you are a little prodigy said the artist slapping him upon the shoulder i must take you in hand you have nothing else to do come here regularly every day and i'll teach you will you come certainly if you wish it but now tell me do you really think the drawing good well charlie if i had done it it would be pronounced very bad for me but coming from your hands it's something astonishing really now you're not joking me no charlie i'm in earnest i assure you i am it is drawn with great spirit and the boy that you have put in by the pump is exceedingly well done this praise served as a great incentive to our little friend who day after day thenceforth was found at the studio busily engaged with his crayons and making rapid progress in his new art he had been thus occupied some weeks and one morning was hurrying to the breakfast-table to get through his meal that he might be early at the studio when he found mrs bird in her accustomed seat looking very sad why what is the matter he asked on observing the unusually grave face of his friend oh charlie my dear i've received very distressing intelligence from philadelphia your father is quite ill my father ill cried he with a look of alarm yes my dear quite sick so says my letter here are two for you charlie hastily broke the seal of one and read as follows my dear little brother we are all in deep distress in consequence of the misfortunes brought upon us by the mob our home has been destroyed and worse than all our poor father was caught and so severely beaten by the rioters that for some days his life was entirely despaired of thank god he is now improving and we have every reasonable hope of his ultimate recovery mother caddy and i as you may well suppose are almost prostrated by this accumulation of misfortunes but for the kindness of mr walters with whom we are living i do not know what would have become of us dear mr and mrs gary here followed a passage that was so scored and crossed as to be illegible after a short endeavour to decipher it he continued we would like to see you very much and mother grows every day more anxious for your return 
i forgot to add in connection with the mob that mr walters's house was also attacked but unsuccessfully the rioters having met a signal repulse mother and caddy send a world of love to you so does kinch who comes every day to see us and is often extremely useful give our united kind regards to mrs bird and thank her in our behalf for her great kindness to you ever yours esther p s do try and manage to come home soon the tears trickled down charlie's cheek as he perused the letter which when he had finished reading he handed to mrs bird and then commenced the other this proved to be from kinch who had spent all the spare time of his disposal since the occurrence of the mob in preparing it to mr charles ellis esq at mrs bird's philadelphia dear sir an honoured friend i take this chance to write to you to tell you that i am well and that we are all well except your father who is sick and i hope you are enjoying the same blessing we had an awful fight and i was there and i was one of the captains i had a sword on and the next morning we had a great breakfast but nobody eat anything but me and i was obliged to eat or the whittles would have spoiled the mob had guns as big as cannon and they shot them off and the holes are in the shutter yet and when you come back i will show them to you your father is very bad and i have gone back to school and i am licked every day because i don't know my lesson a great big boy with white woolly hair and pinkish gray eyes has got your seat i put a pin under him one day and he told on me and we are to have a fight to-morrow the boys call him short and dirty because he ain't tall and never washes his face we have got a new teacher for the fifth division he's a scorcher and believes in rattan i am to wear my new clothes next sunday excuse this long letter your friend till death kinch sandals to young illustration skull and crossbones p s this is the best skull and crossbones that i can make come home soon yours etc k s de young esq charlie could not but smile through his tears as he read this curious epistle which was not more remarkable for its graceful composition than its wonderful chirography some of the lines were written in blue ink some in red and others in that pale muddy black which is the peculiar colour of ink after passing through the various experiments of schoolboys who generally entertain the belief that all foreign substances from molasses candy to bread-crumbs necessarily improve the colour and quality of that important liquid why every other word almost is commenced with a capital and i declare he's even made some in german text cried charlie running his finger mirthfully along the lines until he came to your father's very bad here the tears came welling up again the shower had returned almost before the sun had departed and hiding his face in his hands he leant sobbing on the table cheer up charlie cheer up my little man all may go well yet mrs bird he sobbed you've been very kind to me yet i want to go home i must see mother and father you see what esther writes they want me to come home do let me go of course you shall go if you wish yet i should like you to remain with me if you will no no mrs bird i mustn't stay it wouldn't be right for me to remain here idle and enjoying myself and they so poor and unhappy at home i couldn't stay said he rising from the table i must go well my dear you can't go now sit down and finish your breakfast or you will have a headache i'm not hungry i can't eat he replied my appetite is all gone and stealing away from the room he went up into his chamber threw himself on the bed and wept bitterly 
mrs bird was greatly distressed at the idea of losing her little favourite he had been so much with her that she had become strongly attached to him and therefore looked forward to his departure with unfeigned regret but charlie could not be persuaded to stay and reluctantly mrs bird made arrangements for his journey home even the servants looked a little sorry when they heard of his intended departure and reuben the coachman actually presented him with a jack-knife as a token of his regard mrs bird accompanied him to the steamer and placed him under the special care of the captain so that he was most comfortably provided for until his arrival in new york where he took the cars direct for home not having written to inform them on what day he might be expected he anticipated giving them a joyful surprise and with this end in view hastened in the direction of mr walters's as he passed along his eye was attracted by a figure before him which he thought he recognized and on closer inspection it proved to be his sister caddy full of boyish fun he crept up behind her and clasped his hands over her eyes exclaiming in an assumed voice now who am i go away you impudent nasty thing cried caddy plunging violently charlie loosed his hold and she turned and beheld her brother oh charlie charlie is it you why bless you you naughty fellow how you frightened me said she throwing her arms round his neck and kissing him again and again when did you come oh how delighted mother and s will be i only arrived about half an hour ago how are mother and father and esther mother and s are well and father better but i'm so glad to see you she cried with a fresh burst of tears and additional embraces why cad said he endeavouring to suppress some watery sensations of his own i'm afraid you're not a bit pleased at my return you're actually crying about it well, i'm so glad to see you that i can't help it she replied as she fell to crying and kissing him more furiously than before charlie became much confused at these repeated demonstrations of joyful affection in the crowded street and gently disengaging her remark see caddy everybody is looking at us let us walk on i had almost forgot i was sent on an errand however it's not of much consequence i'll go home again with you and taking his hand they trudged on together how did you say father was he asked again oh he's better bodily that is he has some appetite sits up every day and is gradually getting stronger but he's all wrong here said she tapping her forehead sometimes he don't know any of us and it makes us all feel so bad here the tears came trickling down again as she continued oh charlie what those white devils will have to answer for when i think of how much injury they have done us i hate them i know it's wrong to hate anybody but i can't help it and i believe god hates them as much as i do charlie looked gloomy and as he made no rejoinder she continued we didn't save a thing not even a change of clothes they broke and burnt up everything and then the way they beat poor father was horrible horrible just think they chopped his fingers nearly all off so that he has only the stumps left charlie charlie she cried wringing her hands it's heart-rending to see him he can't even feed himself and he'll never be able to work again don't grieve cad said charlie with an effort to suppress his own tears i'm almost a man now continued he drawing himself up don't be afraid i'll take care of you all thus conversing they reached mr walters's caddy wanted charlie to stop and look at the damage effected by the mob upon the outside of the house but he was anxious to go in and ran up the steps and gave the bell a very sharp pull the servant who opened the door was about to make some exclamation of surprise and was only restrained by a warning look from charlie 
hurrying past them caddy led the way to the room where her mother and esther were sitting with a cry of joy mrs ellis caught him in her arms and before he was aware of their presence he found himself half smothered by her and esther they had never been separated before his trip to warmouth and their reunion under such circumstances was particularly affecting none of them could speak for a few moments and charlie clung round his mother's neck as though he would never loose his hold mother mother was all he could utter yet in that word was comprised a world of joy and affection esther soon came in for her share of caresses then charlie inquired where's father in here said mrs ellis leading the way to an adjoining room i don't think he will know you perhaps he may in one corner of the apartment propped up in a large easy chair by a number of pillows sat poor mr ellis gazing vacantly about the room and muttering to himself his hair had grown quite white and his form was emaciated in the extreme there was a broad scar across his forehead and his dull lustreless eyes were deeply sunk in in his head he took no notice of them as they approached but continued muttering and looking at his hands charlie was almost petrified at the change wrought in his father a few months before he had left him in the prime of healthful manhood now he was bent and spectre-like and old in appearance as if the frosts of eighty winters had suddenly fallen on him mrs ellis laid her hand gently upon his shoulder and said husband here's charlie he made no reply but continued muttering and examining his mutilated hands it's charlie she repeated oh a nice little boy he replied vacantly whose son is he mrs ellis's voice quivered as she reiterated it's charlie our charlie don't you know him oh yes nice little boy nice little boy oh he continued in a suppressed and hurried tone as a look of alarm crossed his face run home quick little boy and tell your mother they're coming thousands of them they've guns and swords and clubs hush there they come there they come and he buried his face in the shawl and trembled in an agony of fright oh mother this is dreadful exclaimed charlie don't he know any of you yes sometimes his mind comes back very seldom though only for a very little while come away talking to him sometimes makes him worse and slowly and sorrowfully the two left the apartment that evening after mr ellis had been safely bestowed in bed the family gathered round the fire in the room of mrs ellis where charlie entertained them with a description of warmouth and of the manner in which he had passed the time whilst there he was enthusiastic respecting mrs bird and her kindness mother she is such a dear old lady if i'd been as white as snow and her own son she couldn't have been kinder to me she didn't want me to come away and cried ever so much let me show you what she gave me charlie thrust his hand into his pocket and drew out a small wallet from which he counted out four ten-dollar bills two fives and a two-dollar-and-a-half gold piece ain't i rich said he as with the air of a millionaire he tossed the money upon a table now he continued you know what i'm about to do not receiving any answer from his wondering sisters or mother he added why just this here mother this is yours said he placing the four ten-dollar bills before her and here are five apiece for esther and cad the balance is for your humble servant now then he concluded what do you think of that mrs ellis looked fondly at him and stroking his head told him that he was a good son and esther and caddy declared him to be the best brother in town now girls said he with the air of a patriarch what do you intend to do with your money 
mine will go towards buying me a dress and esther will save hers for a particular purpose said caddy i'll tell you something about her and mr walters continued she with a mischievous look at her sister oh caddy don't ain't you ashamed to plague me so asked esther blushing to the roots of her hair mother pray stop her cried she pleadingly hush caddy interposed her mother authoritatively you shall do no such thing well resumed caddy mother says i mustn't tell but i can say this much esther here put her hand over her sister's mouth and effectually prevented any communication she was disposed to make never mind her s cried charlie you'll tell me all in good time especially if it's anything worth knowing esther made no reply but releasing her sister hurried out of the room and went upstairs to charlie's chamber where he found her on retiring for the night i'm glad you're here s said he you'll indulge me here is the key open my trunk and get me out a nightcap i'm too tired or too lazy to get it for myself esther stooped down opened the trunk and commenced searching for the article of headgear in question come s said charles coaxingly tell me what this is about you and mr walters she made no reply at first but fumbled about in the bottom of the trunk professedly in search of the nightcap which she at that moment held in her hand can't you tell me he again asked oh there's nothing to tell charlie she answered there must be something else or you wouldn't have blushed up so when cad was about to speak of it do said he approaching her and putting his arm round her neck do tell me all about it i am sure there is some secret oh no charlie there is no secret it's only this here she stopped and blushing turned her head away yes this is nonsense said charlie impatiently if it's anything worth knowing why can't you tell a fellow come said he kissing her tell me now like a dear old ass as you are where charlie said she jerking the words out with an effort mr mr walters has asked me to marry him phew gemini that is news exclaimed charlie and are you going to accept him as i don't know she answered don't know repeated charlie in a tone of surprise why yes i'm astonished at you such a capital fellow as he is half the girls of our acquaintance would give an eye for the chance but he is so rich responded esther well now that's a great objection ain't it i should say all the better on that account rejoined charlie the money is the great stumbling-block continued she everybody would say i married him for that then everybody would lie as everybody very often does if i was you s and loved him i shouldn't let his fortune stand in the way i wish continued he pulling up his shirt-collar that some amiable young girl with a fortune of a hundred thousand dollars would make me an offer i'd like to catch myself refusing her the idea of a youth of his tender years marrying any one seemed so ludicrous to esther that she burst into a hearty fit of laughter and to the great chagrin of our hero who seemed decidedly of the opinion that his sister had not a proper appreciation of his years and inches don't laugh s but tell me do you really intend to refuse him i can't decide yet charlie answered she seriously if we were situated as we were before we're not such absolute paupers i wouldn't hesitate to accept him but to bring a family of comparative beggars upon him i can't make up my mind to do that charlie looked grave as esther made this last objection boys he was he felt its weight in justice well as rejoined he i don't know what to say about it of course i can't advise what does mother say she leaves it entirely to me she answered she says i must act just as i feel is right i certainly wouldn't have him at all s if i didn't love him and if i did i shouldn't let the money stand in the way so good-night 
charlie slept very late the next morning and was scarcely dressed when esther knocked at his door with the cheerful tidings that her father had a lucid interval and was waiting to see him dressing himself hastily he followed her into their father's room when he entered the feeble sufferer stretched out his mutilated arms towards him and clasped him round the neck they tell me said he that you came yesterday and that i didn't recognize you i thought when i woke this morning that i had a dim recollection of having seen some dear face but my head aches so that i often forget yes often forget my boy he continued you are all your mother and sisters have to depend upon now i'm i'm here his voice faltered as he elevated his stumps of hands i'm helpless but you must take care of them i'm an old man now said he despondingly i will father i'll try so hard replied charlie it was cruel in them wasn't it son he resumed see they've made me helpless for ever charlie restrained the tears that were forcing themselves up and rejoined never fear father i'll do my best i trust i shall soon be able to take care of you his father did not understand him his mind was gone again and he was staring vacantly about him charlie endeavoured to recall his attention but failed for he began muttering about the mob in his hands they were compelled to quit the room and leave him to himself as he always became quiet sooner by being left alone End of chapter twenty six